0: You're listening to the Outside by Design podcast, made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Blurring the lines between work and play, whether your office is in a pickup truck at a trailhead or in a skyscraper, we're connecting you to others who think like you do. Hey, welcome to Outside by Design. I'm Dan Hansen. I'm here with Amanda Guy and Joe Johnson. And Joe Johnson is an account manager with Outside Media, which is located just east of Whitefish here in Columbia Falls. He has accounts with Alta Ski Area, Solomon, Atomic, and he has loads of outdoor industry experience. So we're really stoked that he's here to chat with us today. So what's up,
1: Joe? Not much. Just uh, enjoyed the quick little drive in from Columbia Falls to your guy's office mm-hmm. and then looking forward to hanging out with you for a few minutes. Nice. Yeah. Are you enjoying summer up here? Because don't you winter down in, in uh, Salt Lake? Yeah, so I spend, you know, September through June Mm -hmm. in Salt Lake. Um, Most of that is the ski season at Alta, um, and then I get to spend the summers up here. So really, it's kind of the best of both worlds. Like, I definitely count myself lucky to be able to ski at Alta all winter and then avoid the heat of Utah and come up to Whitefish, Montana, and just, like, spend the summer getting after it swimming, enjoying water, which there's a lack of in Utah. It's fantastic. Works out great.
2: How's the avoiding the heat thing going for you this week? Yeah, you know, it's, it's been kind of weird. Like, I left
1: Utah, and it was like 100 degrees this year, and I got up here to Montana, and it was 100 degrees as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't the same as years past, but, um, you know, still being able to jump in any fork of the Flathead River. You know, you got Whitefish yeah. Lake, you got Lake McDonald, you got the park. Like, endless options up here, which is really nice.
0: Yeah, we're definitely lucky to live up here where we do. So you've been in the outdoor industry for a long time. Can you give us a little bit of background of what got you there and kinda your rise through the ranks through the years and to where you are now? Because you have you have a job that a lot of people would really kill for working with some really, really rad companies. You get to ski tons. If you check out Joe's Instagram feed it is
2: <laughs> it is just fun. Solid
0: bangers all winter of, like face shots of powder. It's no, I feel like just get
2: rad twenty four seven. Well,
1: I mean, it's it's one of the benefits of, of of having the job that I do. You know, it's it's people always talk about you know the outdoor industry and how amazing it is, and you know if you look at it, we don't do it for the money. We do it for the lifestyle, and uh, being able to work with the brands I do is an obvious benefit to that. And I'm I'm blessed to be able to have an office at Alta, which is pretty fantastic. But. Um, I got my start, I guess you could say, in the outdoor industry right out of college. Um, I was doing tourism, marketing, and PR for the city of Spokane, essentially working for an organization called Visit Spokane. And uh, my job, or part of my job, um, was to bring in media people from, you know, around the region or internationally or nationally and show them what Spokane had to offer as a city. And at that time, you know, Spokane was really just kind of starting to grow. It had like this really big spurt back around the World's Fair, and, then, like, all this infrastructure went up, and then it kind of, like,
2: yeah, poof, went yeah. down for
1: a little bit, and then, like, a lot of industry was starting to come in, you know, wine was, like, a huge thing, beer was a huge thing, there was a lot of breweries coming in, and um, the outdoor recreation around Spokane is actually pretty solid as well, and so um, it was a great experience to be able to, you know, take people out kayaking, go ride bikes. I got to work with uh, Ski the Inland Northwest, which is the Association of Ski Areas up there, and got to go skiing and that's really what kind of triggered you know this this urge that I had to really get involved with the ski industry and to kind of make that what I wanted to do so um, after a couple years working there about two and a half like any smart person would do and then economic downturn I quit my job and uh, (laughs) went backpacking in Europe for a month and before I left I shot off a few emails to some ski resorts in Utah and a few to some resorts in Colorado and uh, heard back from a couple, narrowed it down, and ended up getting uh, a seasonal marketing and PR gig at Solitude Mountain Resort right outside of Salt Lake City. And that was really kind of like my start in the ski industry. Um, at the end of that season, they were like, hey, we'd love to have you come back next year, but we don't have a job for you. And so <laughs> not only did I not have a job, but I was broke because they basically paid me in gear for a whole winter. <laughs> right. Which so... you
2: wouldn't want to work for gear, I, would do that. Like.
1: I mean the idea of it was amazing and like right. and there everybody seems to think that like in the outdoor industry the gear flows like wine and it you know, in some ways it does Sometimes but it does. gear does yeah. not pay the bills, you know, yeah. and so there was yeah. like this I got to that point and I was like, oh crap and so I packed up my car and um, me and my girlfriend drove back to Washington and I didn't even have enough money to get home. So I stopped in Spokane <laughs> and ended up having to like live at my girlfriend's parents house for a week and a half until I got a job offer from Canyons Resort in Park City. And they were like, hey, uh, we'd like you to come work for us. I was like, fantastic. Can you pay for me to move back down there? Do you do like moving expenses? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, done. I'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's kind of a deal breaker, I guess, if you don't have any money. (laughs) Uh, Exactly.
1: So I worked at Canyons for a couple years and it was a great experience. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a large resort. Um...
0: And I think that's where I first met you. Yeah. I was passing through with Shay. Yeah, three, probably four or five years ago.
1: Yeah, and they were it was it was a cool experience because they were going through a, a whole rebranding, a whole lot mm-hmm. of change, and so I got to be involved in that, you know, from the from the bottom up. You know, we were doing social media, working on marketing pieces, new mm-hmm. logos, everything. It was really cool to be involved with. Um, and then you know, as things changed and developed, like. I started to realize that that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do and started to look for new opportunities and um, outside media actually came knocking via Twitter. Um, my current boss, Hillary Hutchison, actually reached out to me via Twitter. It was kind of weird or I thought it was weird at the time and she was like, hey, I'm going to be in Park City. Can we catch up? And uh, met her and she told me she wanted me to work for her and I was like, let's do this. You know, mm-hmm. like the client list was awesome. The company sounded great. It is great, and so it like that was kind of the, the next step for me, and mm-hmm. it's where I'm currently at. Nice.
2: That's pretty incredible. So, like, one minute you're getting paid in gear, the next, like, <laughs> someone's hiring you over Twitter. They're like, we want you, come to us.
1: <laughs> at that point, you know, social media was definitely on the rise for sure, and so it was cool to see how what I was doing with Canyons and what I had done with Solitude before that um, really kind of, I guess, kind of like got me some recognition a little bit and um, it was just I think a big sign of how times were changing like how people reached out like there wasn't an email it wasn't a phone call it was a direct message via Twitter um, that started the whole thing you know and from there once I heard about you know what clients they wanted me to work with I was I was hooked from there.
2: One, So had you ever really spent much time in Montana before that?
1: Um, I came to Montana for the first time when I was 10 years old we came on a family vacation, went to Flathead Lake, and I went to the water slides. Actually, I had this huge deja vu moment when I first moved Big back sky up water here. Slides. Yeah, the ones right outside Columbia yeah. Falls. Um, and the best part about that trip, or actually the worst part, but the best memories, that I got giardia, and so like oh as God. a ten year old, you know, like we went swimming in some creek or something, and I went home, and, like turned out I had giardia from Montana. So that that was my so, first experience with Montana. So your
2: first experience wasn't. <laughs> Right.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> it's not the souvenir that everyone hopes for.
2: Right. Yeah. But, but I guess, so when you moved here then for outside media, I mean, what's your reaction been to the Valley? like?
1: It's, it's been amazing, you know, and when I started working with outside media three years ago in September, and uh, right when they hired me I, I moved up here and stayed for three weeks before I had to be back down to Alta to kick things off for the season mm-hmm. um, and you know in that first three weeks I was I was hooked um, you know the place it's beautiful it truly is the last best place mm-hmm. um, the recreation the people the vibe everything like that whatever you want to call it whatever it is to whoever it is it's it's amazing yeah I will I'll definitely agree with that for sure <laughs> um, so
0: One question I have is, so you've kind of been on the forefront of social media, especially as it pertains to ski resorts and outdoor industry in general. I mean, your current job you got through social media, you were pushing it prior to that, and you've been pushing it ever since then. Um, Have you noticed any trends or ways that it's evolved over the last, I don't know, what, six, seven, eight years that you've been working with that directly?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you look back at when... I remember I was at the Spokane CVB in my office when Twitter, like, first came up, and I was like, this is stupid. 140 (laughs) characters? You can't say anything in 140 characters. Who the hell cares, you know? Right. And um, the next thing I know, like, that's, for Alta, that's one of our most effective forms of communication. We get tons of engagement off of Twitter. You hit people with a message, something that they love, and they respond. It's fantastic. Um, I think the biggest trend overall Uh, as I look back over the however many years it's been is that it went from kind of discovery and like somewhat of content creation to actually curation as like as the bell curve went and then it was like oh now we got all this content now we're just curating everybody else's we're just like Mm -hmm. oh this person's doing this we should retweet that we should share that blah 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 and now brands are realizing that oh we can't just keep sharing everybody's we have to start storytelling we have to start creating content and that's what And that's where we are right now. Again, it's becoming a huge emphasis as you look around, not only the outdoor industry, but every industry. People are starting to create stories and tell stories in new ways that they haven't before. And whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, I mean, all these different avenues are available to people and it's really cool to see what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've really noticed it's just grown up so much. It's evolved to,
0: you know, it's so much more polished and whatever than it used to be when it first started out it was just kind of i don't know stuff was thrown together mm-hmm. but it's funny how you yeah. say like you know when it first came out 140 characters like who's gonna mess with that now if you see
1: tweets of the full 140 i'm like ah, too long <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i think the, i think the best thing is that you know it's not a bad thing to say you do social media anymore you know no, like, right? when i first no. started you'd say like oh yeah i do social media they'd be like one response is what's that and two is like really that's your job and now it's like, it's like yeah, that's well, my job.
2: <laughs> I think there's something to be said for that, because there's a lot of people now that probably get jobs based on whether or not they're really savvy with social mm-hmm. media, you know? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. when Lisa hired me, she was like, you do the social media well, Amanda. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so? And she's like, well, that's a that's a big seller for mm-hmm. people. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's true. Well, what are your thoughts on hashtags?
1: Hashtags are awesome. I think the more hashtags, the be- well... I won't say if hashtags, for better. (laughs) So so do you like hashtagging for categories and likes, or do you
0: like ironic hashtags?
1: I I love ironic hashtags. You know, like, there's people out there who have made a name for themselves partly because of the category hashtags, Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. fantastic. If that works for you, that works for you. If that's what you gotta do, you gotta do it. But um, I I don't think I've ever used more than five hashtags unless it was a super ironic post. (laughs) Um, But the value of them, you know, especially now that it's cross channel is Mm -hmm. sweet, you know, and it makes it really easy to track campaigns and anything really that you want to do. It's awesome. Yeah, definitely. So over the last few years,
0: I'm sure you've had a lot of crazy experiences. And I mean, also you do a lot of, I don't know, a lot of rad getting after it, like backcountry and running crazy routes and stuff like that. Um, What's the craziest experience you have when doing one of these adventures, especially if it's work related?
2: Hmm. Take your time. <laughs> yeah, just a good, solid story. Because, um,
0: like, I've seen the posts of you, you know, shooting your Solomon kicks on top of whatever mountain. Yeah. Or wherever in the backcountry, shooting some, like, whatever dope shots.
1: We <laughs> <laughs> we got think, lost back there. Or... Yeah. I think one of my most favorite experiences, and it's kind of unique, is that... Uh, um, I, I had the privilege to be able to go up to Revelstoke with the Solomon Mountain Collective team last year. So it's their international athlete team, the Cody Townsends, the Greg Hills, all those guys. And um, one, they're like amazing people. If you if anybody ever gets a chance to hang out with these guys, um, they're more cool in person than they are on TV or on screen when you see them in the movies. Um, and so that was a great experience in and of itself. Um, and then... Uh, we went for a tour outside of Revelstoke so we took the lift all the way up to the top I think it's called the Summit Chair and then uh, skied down this cat track we head out with Skin Up and uh, Greg Hill the same man who skied 2 million vertical feet in a year and 330,000 vertical feet in a month um, is behind me and uh, I I I just had a ball with that, man. Like, it doesn't matter that there was other people in line and he really didn't have a way past, but, like, I took out my cell phone, I was shooting photos of that, and, and he had a ball. Um, but the funny part about that story is that he was actually just coming back from an injury as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it was really cool just to be able to be out there with those guys um, and to kind of have that experience, get to know him and, and learn from them as well because you're out there in the backcountry and, I mean, these guys have years of experience on anybody mm-hmm. and to be able to stand on top of a line with Greg and be like, so I I'm confused. I don't know where I should ski right here and like have him point it out was, it is was a pretty cool situation. Yeah, that's a sweet learning
0: experience.
1: Oh my god, yeah. Awesome.
0: How are you drawn to working in the outdoor industry? Have you always been sort of drawn that direction or I mean earlier you mentioned the the piece about how we don't work in, or something along the lines of, you don't work in the outdoor industry for the money. You do it because you enjoy it. And you're stoked on that, and you want to, you know, live a life or work a job that you enjoy going to and doing.
1: I grew up backpacking with my dad. We'd go on camping trips. The first time I ever came to Montana was a a camping trip, you know. We were camping all over the place. And, uh, you know, they kind of instilled that in me. And so it's always been something that I love to do, you know, through my teen years, like middle school, high school, Mm -hmm. and, and on into college um, basketball is like an obsession of mine and it, it took over my life and like kind of redirected my focus for that time being but it got to the point where I was like I'm missing out on doing things that I've always enjoyed doing because of this one this one like this one thing that I enjoy doing so um, kind of made the choice to move out of that direction and from that point on it's it's been about being outside having as much fun as possible doing the things that you love doing outside And um, like I talked about earlier, you know, finding a job that allows you to do that and if possible allows you to do that as part of your job, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a great thing. And it's, it's great to find a community and a company like outside media that allows you to do that and allows, that has the clients and is in the industry that, that makes that a possibility. It's pretty Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah.
0: It seems like they really cultivate that in their, in their work environment, or at least from the posts that I see on Insta (laughs) and Facebook
1: yeah I mean it's it's a great group it's a small group I mean just like wheelie I mean we're a little bit bigger I mean we could probably play like five on five basketball if we (laughs) wanted to Uh, but you know it's it's such a small group it's so tight-knit whether whether everybody's going on a float after work or whether we're fishing Mm -hmm. or you know going with people on a hike Um, there's a lot of shared interest there um, and it's all outdoor focus which is pretty nice so what's the toughest part about your job I think the, I think one of the toughest parts about my job is explaining to people what my job is. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I do marketing and PR for outdoor brands. And some people are like, oh, so you you, you do Facebook and, and Twitter. And it's like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, but it's a little uh, bit
2: more complex than that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I, I think the hardest part, you know, similar to any job really is, is finding that balance, you know, mm-hmm. because working with the brands that I do... Um, especially during the winter, it is all about finding that balance. You know, you're working with two of the top ski brands in the world. During the winter, it is crazy. And then you're working at Alta, which is, you know, in my opinion, the best place to ski in the U.S. And, you know, I'm up there six, seven days a week. You know, Mm -hmm. it's where do you find that that time to balance? And like you said, if people just went by my Instagram feed, they'd probably think I just play all day. Mm -hmm. Um, But what they don't see is, you know, like the early mornings, the late nights, Making sure that work gets done, um, mm-hmm. but you're still so that you're still doing your job and still finding that work life balance. Yeah. Um I think that's one of those things that is huge in the outdoor industry that doesn't that people don't really think about. Yeah, there's a lot of back end work to all that. It's not just picking
0: the right Instagram filter. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's, there's a lot more that goes into it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly <laughs>
1: Yeah. In the last week I would say the raddest thing that I did um, actually happened on Sunday. I hiked the dawson Pitamakan Trail. I did that, like, two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, I was
2: going to say, I thought you did that on Saturday, but,
1: yeah. It was so awesome, That's you know, awesome. and Glacier Park never ceases to amaze me In that trail, you know, whatever it is, 17, 18 miles of, long. like, yeah. uh, pure... Awesome. Once you get out of and Basin, you get up onto that pass, the rest of it is mm. just like...
2: It's beautiful, isn't it? And you want to stop like every five feet yeah. and just like, look. You know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I filled up my phone with photos. I <laughs> know. <that's laughs> same here. And then we get up to the top of and Pass and we're like looking, I think it's and Lake and whatever that one mm. is right next to it. And this rainbow comes out. And so we're, like, above a rainbow, and you can see both ends of a rainbow, which I've never oh my I've God. Never experienced that before, and, like, and there's, like, six of us in our group, and we're just sitting there screaming like the dude who saw a double rainbow, <laughs> you know, just going nuts, and there's people that are hiking up, turning around, being like, what is wrong with these people? We're like, it's a rainbow! So I imagine
0: you work with a lot of different elements for Solomon, and Atomic, and, Al- and uh, Alta, mm-hmm. and different, I mean, different, you know, different corporations have different makeups and all that, and I'm, I assume you're having to deal with other people in similar roles at the company, other people higher up, people lower down, all across the board, you know, how do you balance all of that? Because there's so many moving parts, especially with a company as large as that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there are definitely a lot of moving parts, and, you know, besides the work-life balance, that would probably, that's probably what I would say is the next hardest part of this job and um it's why when you know hillary first hired me the one one of the first things she said to me is like this job is about relationships and it truly is you know any pr no matter what industry you're in or pr and marketing particularly in the outdoor industry because it's so small so tight knit is that it's all about relationships and um so approaching every account and every client with that in mind and making sure that you're putting in the work to um to To just make sure that you have relationships in place with the people mm-hmm. that you need to have them, whether it's the CEO, whether it's your direct report at the organization, or whether it's you know the customer service person who you order the gear for or through, you know, like mm-hmm. all those people, it's important to have those relationships with, and um, I think that's that's the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, that was one big thing that I picked up in my last job, working at Mammoth in the marketing department. Is you're talking to everyone from the lifties to so the people ringing up your food in the lunchroom to meetings with the CEO and everyone in between, and you have to, you know, you have to come across as both professional and, you know, someone that can facilitate a good relationship and whatnot with everyone on that scale. And it's mm-hmm. kind of tough because. It's such a vast, wide range of people.
1: Yeah, and I I think it happens, especially, you know, of all the clients, I think it happens most with Alta. You know, it's a small organization. And in one morning, if we're doing early ups for a photo group or something, Mm -hmm. I'll be talking to the director of snow safety, I'll be talking to the GM, I'll be talking to uh, the lift manager, I'll be talking to the lifty, Mm -hmm. and then I'll be talking to the photographers and his three athletes in his group that are going up. And it's just like... Making sure that everybody's on the same page, same level, adjusting your styles of communication for everybody that you're talking to, because I'm not going to talk to the lifties the same way I'm talking to the GM, you know that's for sure. Mm-hmm. That would get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting part of the job, but it's also pretty fun once you get into it. Yeah, we have some fast questions for you. We call it the lightning
0: round. But uh-oh. all right, you ready? I know the answer to this, but ski or snowboard?
1: Ski. What's your favorite ski that you've ever ridden? The favorite ski that I've ever ridden? I would probably have to say, you know, to this point, it's a toss-up. Well, (laughs) Solomon Rocker 2108 is a fantastic ski. Mm -hmm. It was the first ski that I was ever put on by Solomon, and so it holds, like, a special place in my heart. Um, But, you know, just because I'm a by brand kind of guy... Um, Atomic Vantage 100 CTI is a rad ski that's coming out this year and everybody should check it out. Awesome. What's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, people who are not on time. And I know that's kind of weird because like, I canceled <laughs> on you guys twice and then like, didn't <laughs> show, I show up. <laughs> <your> <laughs> theory, so. yeah. I, yeah. I awesome. made up for it by but being <laughs> up. Uh
2: What's your favorite beer?
1: My favorite beer is. My favorite new beer. That's really hard because I love beer. Um, My favorite new beer is called the Headbutt IPA, and it's uh, from the Iron Goat Brewing Company out of Spokane, Washington. I had it the last time I was back there. It's awesome. Favorite beer related to our clients would be the Alta Ale that we released for the 75th anniversary a couple years ago. That was pretty good. Nice. You can't get that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's your favorite mode of transportation? I mean, skis, if I can make it work, you know, that... Mm -hmm. The way things are going, you can only do that, what, seven, eight months out of the year? Maybe ten if you're David Steele. Like, I don't know, but... um, Or three if you live in the Midwest. (laughs) Or three if you live in the Midwest. Um, But, you know, I I try to ride my bike as much as I can. I love two-wheel transportation. It's awesome. Um, I have a house in Sugar House in Salt Lake City, which is, like, in a really great spot to be able to ride from my house to whatever Mm -hmm. I want to do, whether it's restaurants, shopping, bars, whatever, and so... Um, probably skis or bike I'd have to agree with you there <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about perfect uh, Favorite article of clothing Favorite article of clothing would probably have to be socks And this is kind of new in the past From the, the guy world. not
0: wearing any yeah, yeah,
1: which is strange, I'm kind of being contradictory today But seriously, if you saw my sock drawer, it's pretty impressive um, <laughs> And I decided to switch to socks after I got into the outdoor industry And realized I didn't have enough money to like buy a lot of shoes and so I was like, oh, well, socks are the next best thing. <laughs> and so um, I love just, like, the strangest socks you can find. There's a company called Stance, and they I'm, like, collecting their MBA collection, so I have a pair of socks with Larry Bird on them. <laughs> I have a pair with John Stockton and Carl Malone.
2: Like they're, like they're stitched into the socks? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it's Larry
1: Bird on my socks. <laughs> and uh, You know, if nothing else, it's a conversation starter. Oh, yeah.
2: So. Yeah, I have some socks that say bacon down the side. That's a yeah, really good like Stuff like that. That's great.
1: Uh, want to give a shout out to your mom? I do want to give a shout out to my mom. She's awesome. You know, and uh, the best part about my mom is that, you know, while she may have sometimes wondered what I was doing when I quit my job back in the day, um, she always encouraged me to do what I love. And that's fantastic. Awesome.
0: I'm going to sidetrack it, too. I have to give a shout-out to my mom. It was her birthday yesterday, and I was in Canada, so I couldn't call her. So I'm sorry, Mom. Happy birthday. Happy Happy birthday, birthday,
2: Dan's mom. (laughs) I guess if you could give a piece of advice, because I think a lot of our listeners, um, if they don't work in the outdoor industry, want to, and it's kind of like, you know, people who are aspiring to get into this sort of business, um, what's, like, the best advice you could give to somebody out there that's interested?
1: Uh, I would say... You know, don't give up. There's going to be, and this sounds like one of those inspirational posters that you can buy at Kmart, but, like, (laughs) there's going to be times where you're going to be like, crap, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm not making any money or whatever the reason is. Or, like, I'm having to move here. They're asking Mm -hmm. me to move there. Whatever it is. Um, Like, just keep going. If that's what you love doing, just do it, and eventually it'll work out for you. Um, If that's what you're passionate about, if that's truly what you want to do, it's going to work out in the end. And uh, I think that would be my best advice for anybody. Yeah,
0: sometimes you just got to grind it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did you have any jobs in the outdoor industry before? Well, the Spokane one was sort of bridging the gap. Like, maybe a little background. What are the cliff notes of Joe Johnson from day one to now? Or at least up to starting in
1: Spokane the cliff notes before I started working in the outdoor industry mm-hmm. um, I grew up in Tenasket Washington born and raised it's a super small town about I don't know, a little over a couple thousand people north central Washington uh, great place to grow up not a great place to go back to uh, but I loved it I was raised in the same house my whole life never moved once my parents still live there which is fantastic um, and I grew up, like I said, doing a lot of camping, backpacking, cross-country skiing with my parents and um, picked up basketball. And that kind of ruled my life all the way up through high school. Um, it really cut into skiing, you know, having that whole <laughs> winter crossover with the sport that you really love with also a sport that you really like mm-hmm. um, was really tough you know, you had to sign something that said, I will not ski. And then I'd sign that. And then the next thing I know, I'd be up at, we had a town hill called Sitzmark, which was the best place ever. Um, it was 20 minutes away and it had a rope toe and a double chair. And, uh, that's where I learned how to ski. And it was, yeah, I mean, it was just that crazy crossover trying to balance everything and it didn't really work out. And eventually, um, it just like led to, Dropping basketball, focusing on the outdoors, and then deciding like, well, shoot, if I'm gonna work, I might as well work doing something I like and be able to combine the two. And that's where we are right now. Awesome. Where'd you go to college? I went to college at Whitworth University in Spokane, Washington. It's pirate. Like, yeah, pirate. Yeah, pirate. Our. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a great place to go to college. Uh, it was it was super interesting. You know, Spokane's a great place and. When I tell people I went to school in Spokane, they're usually like, oh, yeah, Gonzaga. Awesome. Way to go, dude. And I'm like, nope. Wrong wrong Christian school. I went to the other one. (laughs) Um, But it was a great place. I went in, and uh, I wanted to be a journalism major. And I quickly realized that uh, there was, one, too much writing, and two, like, too much writing where you had to write a certain way. And Mm -hmm. I didn't like that. So... All my friends were business majors and they were taking these marketing classes that sounded really cool. And I was like, I found myself instead of doing my homework, I was like watching them do their homework because it was more interesting. And so um, I switched over to a communications major, like general communications, and then a marketing minor. And uh, that's what I graduated with. I had an internship with an agency called Destel Hagee Communications out of Spokane, and then an internship with the Spokane Sports Commission. Uh, which is the organization that brings sporting events like the NCAA tournament and, you know, anything like that into Spokane. Mm -hmm. Cool.
0: Um, Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Do you have a dream job that you're aspiring towards or a path?
1: That's a tough question. Um, That's a long time. (laughs) It is a long time, 10 years. But, you know, what's funny is that if you would have asked me this two years ago when I wasn't 30... You know, it sounds, (laughs) you know, now you ask me and it's like 10 years and I'm 40. Holy crap. Yeah. You know, so you got to start thinking differently, I guess. Um, But my hope is to not be thinking differently. Um, My hope is to still be doing something that I love, that I get to do now, still having fun, Um, but obviously having moved up. So um, maybe not doing the the individual Facebook and Twitter posts and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff anymore, but... Um still being involved with with clients with an industry that I love and being more involved on the the overall strategy side of things so like directing things and and uh, Really working with people to make sure that their brand and their organization is is Telling the story that it wants to be told um, how many days did you have on the snow last year? Uh, <laughs> I had over a hundred days on snow last year. Wow. What, what was the best powder day? The best powder day was, I know exactly when it was, um, it was the weekend after Christmas this year. And this was honestly, you know, everybody in Utah, if you talk to them, they talk about the winter of 2010 or whatever, where Snowbird was open until the 4th of July. Alta got over 800 inches that year. Like, it was mm-hmm. this epic year. Um, I was working at Canyons at that time, which gets half as much snow. But they they were still doing good, but I didn't get to ski that much this year because I I was recovering from a climbing accident. So, like, I missed that whole epic year. But in the years that I've been in Utah, I had two days this year that were probably two of the best days of skiing I've ever had. And the first one was the Sunday after Christmas. I was up in Jackson um, meeting with our community ambassadors for Solomon. We got third tracks down Four Pines which is just outside of the rope at Jackson and it was I like I had to stop because I couldn't breathe it was the longest (laughs) deepest run of my life and then I drove home that night because the storm was moving down to Salt Lake and so I drove back to Salt Lake in a storm to catch Monday morning at Alta (laughs) got up before the road closed and it was the best snow of my life it was typical you know the stuff you hear about Alta, greatest snow on earth, super dry, super blower, it was incredible and it was fun because there was a good group of guys, we were skiing and like you'd, you'd ski and then you'd stop and you'd turn around just to watch your buddy ski, it was that kind of deal, just so you could high five each other and go do it again. <laughs> um, it was that kind of thing and it was it was a blast, it was those two days that everybody will remember for the 14-15 season. Yeah, my best
0: day of the season last year was same weekend, up here we got hit and it was that Monday after Christmas. What, like January it, 1st yeah, or something? I was super bummed. Right, second
2: or third. I had to work at the brewery that day, and it was, like, Maggie, I think, cross-country skied to to work. And it's cross-country skiing. Yeah, my, 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 <laughs> my landlord decided to just not come to work, because he works, like, underneath my apartment, and so he didn't shovel or anything, so I spent, like, half the day shoveling, and then the other half pouring beers for people, but... Point I meters for people day. who were
1: talking about how good who it was. Who were talking about how yeah. great the
2: mountain was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the, probably the best day that was on the mountain this year, in the valley, mm-hmm. for sure. I missed it. Very
0: sad. What's your favorite opera ski bar in the U.S.? Anywhere, really.
2: Yeah.
1: I imagine you've been to one or two. If I've spent a, I spent a fair amount of time in bars at ski areas, uh, but I would say... My favorite is probably the Peruvian, aka the P Dog, at Alta. And um, it's, it's probably one of the few true ski bars still in, in Utah. Um, it's a little hole in the wall. I mean, if you get down to brass tacks, it's probably kind of shitty. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it's super small. You have to open the windows to cool it down. Everybody's sweating in addition to the sweating that they were doing on skiing, so it doesn't smell like great. kind of like our office. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of how our office feels right now.
1: (laughs) Um, And so, like, you cram people in there, but just like all the bars up at Alto, there's free appetizers if you're there at the right time and if you get in line at the right time. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they're gone super fast. So, like, free deep-fried, you know, something. Whatever Monday deep-fried Whatever they found in the back of the freezer. Um, Yeah, but... It's a great community. The bartenders are awesome. They get it. The people who Mm -hmm. come there get it. It's a good mix of, you know, your locals, the guests who are staying there. And the great thing about the guests who stay at the Peruvian is that they're guests who have been staying there for 10, 15, 20 years and they come the same week every year or the same weekend or the same two weekends every year. Mm -hmm. So they know how it goes and they know everybody and it's like they've been skiing, they've been skiing there for years and so it's, a really great community and they have this game that absolutely infuriates me that you try to, it's the string attached to the ring game, you know, and you try oh, to Oh like,
0: yeah, they had one of those at,
1: <laughs> what was the place called in Mammoth? Oh, yeah, Mexican joint. And you try to pull, you pull the ring That's back. I spent hours trying to do that, yeah. I don't think I ever got it, maybe got it once in my life. I can count the times <laughs> on one hand that I've actually got it and it's totally frustrating, makes me drink more but I guess that's probably why they do it, you know, now that you think about it. I have yeah. no
2: clue what this game is. I'm intrigued. So there's, like, a post, and or they put they it, they nail
1: a nail into it. Yeah. And then there's another nail with a string attached to it, and you pull the ring back, and you try to hook the ring onto the nail. Oh. Uh, and it swings. So it's, like, a combination of timing and luck and, uh... Oh, yeah. You know, avoiding interference from the drunk guy in the corner. Yeah. And people
0: walking across in front of you. I've seen kids walk by because they're right at, like, the ring-swinging level, get
1: hit in the head. Ring to the side of the face. It's always good. (laughs) Oh, man. So do you you like
0: like talking and getting recorded and things like that?
1: I love talking and getting recorded. Um, (laughs) And I think it all starts from... No, but seriously, I had a a radio show um, when I was at Whitworth University, and I actually got credit for doing this radio show, which was pretty silly, when you consider how little work we did for it. Um, It was me and my buddy Jared. The show was called Another Round. And uh, it was for, I don't know, we did an hour every Thursday for a whole year. We played country music. Our intro song was Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. So every Thursday at (laughs) 7 p.m. on the Weworth radio station that probably broadcasted to about I don't know, six blocks outside of Weaver's campus, Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy would play, and then Joe and Jared would come on the radio and talk nonsense and interview people and hang out in the booth. And We got in trouble quite a bit, but we had a blast. And uh, I mean, I think I may have missed my calling as a radio <laughs> DJ, but I'm not quite sure.
0: Maybe you'll realize it again right now.
1: Well, yeah.
2: What I like is the fact that you're playing country music, and this and this is from a guy who's sitting in our office right now, wearing jeans, flip flops, a Solomon T-shirt, and a baseball hat.
1: Yep, I know. Um, <laughs> well,
2: look like a cowboy. <laughs> in my
1: defense, I grew up in Tanasseeur, Washington, which had at the time three radio stations, two of which were country, and one of which was, I think, like the, you know, the Christian radio station. Oh, so I listened to a lot of country music. So the
2: country was your jam? Yeah, yeah.
1: country was my jam. <laughs> have you had a chance to go to the columbia falls community market yet i have had a chance to go to it and we actually uh every thursday um we go down and help set up as a team oh cool at outside media which is sweet so we go down and like pull the tables out throw the umbrellas up put so that's why you board.
0: wanted to record tonight
1: yeah so everybody should head down to the community market <laughs> thursday nights in columbia <laughs> falls <laughs> At the liquor store, which sounds weird, but it's true. It's at the liquor store. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um O'Brien's liquor and wine. Yeah. There's good music, great food and vegetables, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, it's just an all-around good time. Yeah, I think I'm going to pedal over there after work. I haven't been there yet this year, it's, so. It's
2: awesome. It's really good. Uh, O'Brien and Melanie did a great job. Yeah. For sure. Definitely.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I love coming into the Whitefish one. And it's amazing, and there's different stuff going on here, but it's a completely different vibe, mm-hmm. you know. Just like everything else in Sea Falls, it's mm-hmm. a little bit different, but it's it's really cool to see, um, you know, O'Brien putting in this work and having it kind of come to fruition, and it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a cool thing that
0: they got going over there, Columbia Falls. I mean, it's a town that everyone says it's been on the verge of becoming like something big for like the last 30 years (laughs) (laughs) and it seems like a lot of stuff's happened in the last like one to two years and I think this community market's a big piece of that puzzle like doing something like that that really draws a lot more people out because it's a right event I've driven by it a couple times when I was passing through for work and it is packed and Mm -hmm. it's such a sweet spot so
2: definitely yeah and I
1: I mean everybody who asked me where I live you know, I, I live in Sea Falls. I live a block from my office, which is nice when it comes to work. Um, but I, I have to say Whitefish because that's just, yeah you know, nobody knows where Columbia Falls is. So I say Whitefish or I say 10 minutes outside of Whitefish. Um, but even in the three summers that I've been coming up here to live and work, um, like Columbia Falls has grown and changed. Mm-hmm. It's such a super tight-knit community. You know, you got the market now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a brewery that's going to be going in this fall yeah Darren, nice. Darren is awesome yeah Darren is met him a
2: couple times I can't remember his last name but he is so cool he would come into the brewery in bell all the time and...
1: yeah and I mean I've been drinking his homebrew, you know ever since I met Shane and Hillary and started working yep. for outside media and it's delicious yeah whenever so... I pop
0: in the office over there Shane offers me a pint of, of <laughs> yeah. Darren's beer yeah on tap in the back room yeah
1: <laughs> yeah that's both awesome and distracting at the same
0: time <laughs> right <laughs> yeah man you're never around in the winters are you up i have i you, try have to you get been a... to any of the uh famous or not infamous we'll say famous uh outside chili league the chili Leagues.
1: i've been to one chili league and it was like it was the first year or that first fall i was up here i guess um, and it was a blast. You know, it's such a cool thing to see how many people from the community come mm-hmm. out to it. Such a tight-knit little group of friends. Um, you know, I actually... This is a funny story, and they'd probably kill me if they knew that I was going <laughs> to tell the story, but...
2: I mean, we're getting pretty close to wrapping it up, but do you have anything else you want to shout out to anybody? Say anything about outside media?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would just like to... I guess I would just like to reiterate, you know, how how lucky not only I am, but you guys are, and, like, mm-hmm. the reason for this podcast in the first place, um, how how privileged I feel to be able to do what I do. And if this is something that you want to do, like, go for it, because mm-hmm. it's worth it. You know, and it's, it's, it is about the lifestyle. It is about, you know, doing something that you're passionate about and enjoying it and making it part of work and part of play. And so um, I think... Being able to say that's what you do and then actually live it is, are two different things. But if you can pull those together, it's pretty awesome.
2: That's great. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Joe. It was really nice to finally meet you. Everybody yeah. else knows you around <laughs> here but me. But um, if you guys want to know any more information, you can visit wheeliecreative.com, W H E E L I E.com, and check out the notes for the podcast.
1: Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Johnson Joe, um, or you can hit up Outside Media the same way, at Outside Media. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well,
0: keep doing what you're doing because you're doing a good job at it. So thanks awesome. for gracing us with your presence
1: and uh, dropping a few wise words. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. and thank you, guys. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to catching up again soon. Awesome. Right. Thanks. See you next week.
2: See you next week, guys.